Turn with me to Psalm. Psalms uh, 50, verse 5. Psalms 50 and verse 5. I want us to look at a few scriptures this morning about uh, our gathering together unto him. You know, there's people gathering for all kind of events, uh, sporting events and political events and religious events and all these things. But as Brother Ken says so many times, uh, are they gathering for the right purpose? See, I remember that, Brother Ken. <laughs> but it's not only gathering for the right purpose, but it's how we gather for that purpose. Amen. So let's look at a few scriptures about God's people, about you and me, God's people, children of God, gathering together unto him. In Psalm 50 and verse 5, Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Now what covenant are we in today? We're in the new covenant. Jesus says the new covenant or new testament is in my blood. He sacrificed himself. He sacrificed his blood for you and me. We're in that covenant with God. And because of that, God tells us to gather together. Gather my saints together unto me. Now, who are we to gather to? We're not supposed to just gather to our necessarily our favorite preacher, although preachers like that, I mean, I'll be the first to admit it. Preachers like for people to gather together, hear and preach. But that's not necessarily the purpose of church. Church is made up of those that have been gathered out of the world. The ecclesia, those that have been called out of the world, called out to gather together under Jesus. When Jesus told people to come and follow him, he was wanting disciples. Amen? You remember John chapter 8, I believe it is, around verse 30, 31, 32, Jesus said, If any man will be my disciple, let him deny himself. Amen? He said, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciple indeed. And you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Jesus wants free disciples. Amen. Those that have come for freedom, but they've come and found that freedom in Jesus Christ. Jesus never told people, said, just join the religion of your choice. He never said, just be sure you're in the Jewish temple every week. That's all they had back then. They didn't have churches, church buildings like we have now. They had Jewish temples. But what he told them was, follow me. In the Old Testament, we just read it. God, who is the Lord, Jesus, said, Gather my saints together unto me. 
gather them unto me. Well, that's I think that's in two sense. First of all, I believe he's talking to the saints and said, you saints, you gather. Get together, in other words, but come unto me. Don't just get together for just a, 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 any old reason. Amen. Come to me. Come unto me. Jesus is always calling people unto himself. He said, come unto me. All you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. The emphasis is on Jesus. Look at uh, Matthew. I have about four scriptures to read this morning. Matthew 18 and verse 20. When I wrote these scriptures down, I actually wrote them down in reverse, reverse order. But I believe God wants us to look at them in the order in which they come. Matthew 18 and verse 20. And this is one I, I quote quite a lot. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. If we ever grow to where we have two or three hundred or maybe two or three thousand people in this little church here, this little building here, I don't think it would hold two or three thousand people, but if we could get that many people gathered together, the emphasis should not be on two or three or on two or three hundred or on two or three thousand. The emphasis should still be Gathered together in my name. In that my name. Jesus said that. In the name of Jesus. We're a Jesus people. Amen. If it weren't for Jesus. None of, none of us would be here. If it weren't for Jesus. We might not even be alive physically. Because if it weren't for Jesus. A lot of things would happen. That haven't happened. The Bible says the love of Christ constraineth us. There's a lot of constraint in the world, thank the Lord, that there wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the Lord. But he says where two or three are gathered together. There's a, quite a few times the Bible talks about gathering together. I've just got four uh, areas of Scripture today that mention it, but there are many other places. In uh, Matthew 24, it talks about he shall send forth his angels and gather together his elect from the four corners of the world. Well, that is future in one sense because when the Lord comes back, he's going to gather us up all together, take us up, Amen. But at the same time, in our time, the Lord has been gathering people together for salvation. Amen. Well, where two or three are gathered together in my name, in the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. In my name, in the power of of the name of Jesus Christ. 
The Bible puts great emphasis upon the name of Jesus. And I think we ought to do the same. We preach the Bible, we preach Jesus' name. He said, in my name shall you heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. In my name we shall do things that are pleasing to God. In the name of Jesus we will rejoice. But let's go back to the time when the name of Jesus meant salvation to us. Because there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's at the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So where did he say he would be in our gathering? If our gathering is in the name of Jesus, if we've gathered together unto him, not unto other people, other things, other ideas, we're not gathering together just to have some people in this building. Amen? Amen. And I'm thankful for this building. God gave us this building where we don't have to uh, worship in the rain. <laughs> Amen? Where we don't have to worship in the cold. When I went out on a carport this morning, I think it was 24 degrees. And the sun was shining. Amen? Sun's shining now, but it's a little cold outside, I guess. But the point is, we're not gathering in this nice, warm building. It's got electricity, got plumbing, all the nice things that we need for the flesh. But if we had to meet outside in 110 degrees under a shade tree somewhere, it would still be under him. Amen? Under him. Why? Most of the times, Jesus did not preach in a building. He was on a hillside. He was in the marketplace. He was in a boat. He was in different places. Anywhere that people would gather together to hear him. The Word of God tells us, hear ye him. When uh, Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on top of a mountain one day, Moses and Elijah appeared with Jesus that day. The great glory and the transfiguration took place and all that. You remember what happened? Oh, Peter, you know, he was, he was the, the big talker of the group. He said, Lord, it's, it's good for us to be here. Let's build. <laughs> Fishermen's always wanting to build something. Let's build three tabernacles. He didn't want just one church building. He wanted to build three of them. And one for you, Lord, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Oh, man, we, this is great being up here. And I'm sure it was. They saw something nobody else had ever seen. Nobody else had ever seen Moses, Elijah, and Jesus standing there transfigured in the glorious light of heaven in their very midst. It's good for us to be here. It's good for God's people to be gathered together. But you remember what Jesus said? Well, first of all, 
a cloud overshadowed them. And they began to fear. Peter, James, and John began to fear. And Peter quietened down for a while. Moses and Elijah were taken off the scene. And when they looked up, who'd they see? Where'd Moses go? Why, he's a hero of Israel. Where'd Elijah go? He's the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. They were both gone. The Bible says, they saw no man except Jesus only. They only saw Jesus. And God spoke from heaven and said, this is, this is the one. This is my son. Hear ye him. When we come into the presence of God, when we gather out from the world, out from the secular working world, and we rest a while coming away from the television, the radio, the newspapers, we get away from all the, the things that are so necessary in the world and just sit here as children of God, we're supposed to hear him. Amen. Hear ye him. Come unto him. Gather my saints together unto me, the Lord said. Okay, I made a statement a while ago, when, well, back in Psalm 50. I believe God was first speaking to his saints. Gather my saints together unto me. My saints, he was saying, gather unto me. But I believe also that he was giving a command to those that would go out and gather others. Gather my saints. Go out and gather the saints together. Unto me, he said. You know what Jesus said about gathering? He talked about those that scatter abroad and those that gather unto him. He said, those that gather with me, they're with me. And the others are just scattering abroad. Well, the Pharisees... Jesus condemned the Pharisees. He said, you travel over land and sea. You surpass land and sea to make a follower, a disciple. But when you do, you made a twofold more a child of hell than yourself. Amen. The Pharisees weren't gathering people under the Lord the Pharisees were gathering people unto themselves and under their ritualistic form of religion, under the tradition of the elders of Israel. They rebuked Jesus and his disciples, said, uh, why do your disciples not keep the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. <laughs> to him, that was more important than anything. And Jesus said, why do your followers not keep the commandments of God? They follow the tradition of men and make void, make vain, make useless the commandments of God. Jesus wanted people to come and gather unto him for he's the word of God. Amen. He's the word made flesh. And we can read about him in, in, in the book, in the Bible. All right, let's go down to 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 1. 
2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 1. Second Thessalonians 2 and verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. Now if you're familiar with the rest of this chapter, he goes on and talks about the day of the Lord, the day of Christ. He says, it's not at hand yet. In other words, you haven't missed the Lord yet because he hadn't come yet. And he goes into some detail about that. And a little further down, he talks about the mystery of iniquity and the man of sin being revealed and all that. But notice the way he begins this. We beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord, by, our, by the coming of our Lord Jesus, and by our gathering together unto him. Now, basically, he's leading up to the place where he is talking about the, the last days, the final days, the, the time of the end, as Daniel uh, put it. But at the same time, look at what he said. By the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, that coming took place. Amen. The first coming. There's first coming and second coming. There'd be no second coming without the first coming. Amen. That makes sense, I hope. So the coming of the Lord the first time, what did he do? He came in the likeness of sinful flesh. He came for sin to put... To put away sin. He came to put away sin. By the sacrifice of himself. At his first coming. And ever since the first coming. With all these other scriptures so far. We've looked at. It's by our gathering together. Unto him. Our gathering together unto him. In this life will make us ready to be gathered unto him when he comes again. Amen. If you're not gathered unto him now, you better get to gathering. <laughs> Amen. You better get in the gathering, in the church. The church is the gathering. The church is the assembly. That's what it means. The assembly. And... To assemble means to do church. <laughs> Amen. The assembly has to be assembled. Just like the gathering has to be gathered. In one place in the book of Hebrews, I forget which verse it is right now, but it says, not forsaking the, the verb. Not forsaking the assembling together. The gathering together. Don't forsake the gathering. The gathering is made up of people that have assembled together unto him. Our purpose. Our purpose. All right, so think about that when you think about 
the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. Be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us as that the day of Christ is at hand. He was telling them there's some things going to happen first. But as far as the first coming, nothing else needs to happen. The Jews need to believe on the Christ, the Messiah. I used to work for a Jewish man one day, and he and I were discussing the Lord. And uh, I said, y'all don't believe he came yet? He said, no, we don't believe he came yet. The Messiah. They knew who I was talking about, the Messiah. The one the Bible in the Old Testament talked about. I said, well, I guess the difference in you and, uh, and me, you believe he's got to come the first time. I believe he's got to come the second time. And he kind of laughed and said, yeah, I guess so. He was, you know, he was a pretty nice guy. He was a lost Jew, though. Amen. He wasn't lost because he was a Jew, but he was lost because he never had believed the Messiah had ever come. They're still looking for him. The uh, Orthodox Jews are. The believing Jews, those that believe the Old Testament, they're still looking for him to come. But the good news is, he has already come, and we're gathered unto him now. Praise God. One more, one more verse we'll look at. In Hebrews 13. There's several other verses that go with this. It has reference to the Old Testament sacrifices. They took them outside the camp, outside the gate, and burned them. And this was a picture, a foreshadow of Christ suffering. And let's go on and read in verse 12 first. Hebrews 13 and verse 12. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. They took him outside the gates of Jerusalem that he might die on the cross. And 13. Let us go forth therefore unto him. I guess that would be the title of this sermon, unto him. A lot of times I have to preach it before I give it a title. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp. That means outside of the camp. Bearing his reproach. He bore a reproach when he was taken outside the camp or outside the city of Jerusalem, outside the gate. And he went to Golgotha's hill. And it was a reproach. He died like a common thief. Amen. He died like a sinner. The Bible says Jesus Christ bore the shame. He endured the shame, the reproach. What are we supposed to do? Bear, bearing his reproach. Go outside the camp. What is the camp? Well, I believe the word camp here can refer to a number of things. I believe it spiritually, it's outside the camp of organized religion. Now, it's not that God's against 
organizations if they're in the order of the Word of God. Amen. God said let everything be decent and in order. So God has an order. But God's order is not necessarily that which is politically correct. Amen. God's order is not necessarily what we think ought to be done. What we think is not what God thinks. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. When men get together, you know what they do? They organize. They try to organize what God's already set in order. You know what the, I believe a definition of a denomination is? Is man's feeble attempt to organize what God has already done. Amen. 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 In, in the Bible, the names of the churches were the names of cities. Amen. The church of God in Corinth. The church at Ephesus. The church at Ar Ar Sardis, that's the word. <laughs> the church, these, these are gathered together assemblies of believers, followers of Christ in certain cities. And that's what they, they were in the Bible. But man has become so highly organized in what his attempt to do to set everything in the order of what man thinks it ought to be. Look at the mess it's in. Amen. Amen. Hundreds, hundreds of denominations, a church on every corner, a building on every corner, may not be churches. Amen. It may just be a group of people. Amen. But if that group of people gets saved, then that'd be a church. Amen. The Bible talks about the simplicity that's in Christ. Look at this verse again. Verse 13, Hebrews 13, 13. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the... If you go forth, what do you do? You go. <laughs> Amen. You go. It Go forth means what? Go. <laughs> Amen. How simple means you go somewhere. Go unto Jesus. You may not go in the direction all the religious leaders want you to go in, but go unto Jesus. Come unto him. Follow him. Let him be your leader. I know the Bible teaches that we have different type of ministers. We have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But there's a scripture that tells us you have no need that any man teach you. But the same anointing will teach you. In other words, just because a man stands up here and everybody look in this direction, it doesn't mean this man's going to teach you anything. The man in the flesh can't teach you anything. But the anointing coming from God Almighty, the anointing coming from His Word is your real teacher. Because it takes the Holy Ghost to teach you. The Bible says they preach the gospel with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Jesus said, 
when he, the Holy Ghost, has come, he'll teach you. He'll guide you into all truth. I can't teach you anything. Amen. But God's Spirit can. Christians are different from lost people. Lost people can learn philosophies. Lost people can learn religion. Lost people can even learn the Bible as far as quoting it like a parrot. <laughs> Pardon the expression, but a parrot can quote the Bible. A bird can say things. Some birds can. The ones that can talk. <laughs> Talking birds. But the point is, just because somebody can quote the scriptures doesn't mean they know the scriptures. Amen. They used to say some people's got the word in their head, but not in their heart. So those that are gathered together are to gather together to the word of God, to the teacher. Jesus is the great teacher. They called him rabbi. Rabbi, rabbi. We know that thou art a teacher come from God. How did they know it? Well, some of them knew it, really knew it. Some of them thought they knew it because of the miracles he did. But when the word goes in, remember Jesus said, I love this verse of scripture. If you continue in my word, then you're my disciples. Then you're my gathered out ones. Then you're my assembled ones. Then you're my called ones. Call ones and chosen ones. So I'm thankful today that we can go forth. Let me say one more thing. I know it's getting late in the day. It's almost 10 after 12. Real late in the day. Our stomachs can wait a little while longer. Amen. Praise the Lord. What I want to bring out now, Matthew 25, goes right along with Hebrews 13, 13. Matthew 25, Jesus gave a parable of 10 virgins. Five were wise, wise, and five were foolish. But make a long story short, at midnight there's a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Now that was not the rapture of the church. Some people say, oh yeah, I was talking about the rapture of the church. Well, the word rapture is not even in the Bible, but I won't go into that. <laughs> that wasn't the rapture of the church. That wasn't talking about even the the coming of the Lord. What did he say? Matthew 25, he said, Go, you go out to meet him. Amen. Well, I meet him in the air. That's true. I believe that. I believe in the literal coming of the Lord. We're going to literally meet him in the air when he comes. But before then, we got to meet him in this life. Amen. Gather together unto him. Go ye out to meet him. Meet the bridegroom. Some people go to church all their life and never met Jesus. Amen. They never have met Jesus. They're never going to either. Except on judgment day, it'll be too late then. Go ye out to meet him. So back to Hebrews 13, 13. Let us go. It says, do something, go. Let us go forth, therefore unto him. Matthew 25, go ye out to meet him. Go ye out to meet him. They that were ready went into the marriage supper. I'll tell you a secret about that marriage supper. 
it's taking place now. It's not going to take place for seven years in heaven. It's taking place on earth right now. The Apostle Paul said we're married to Christ. If you're saved, you're married to Christ. We are the bride of Christ. The Bible says in Revelation uh, around 20 and 21, the bride hath made herself ready. When did that happen? At the rapture of the church? No. The bride hath made herself ready in this life because we went out to meet the bridegroom. We met the bridegroom. We were married to him when we were born again, born of the Spirit. We are the bride of Christ. We're already the bride of Christ. When Jesus comes back, he's going to get his bride. But we're already his bride. Amen. And we're going to be fully united then. But right now in this life, we're meeting. We're getting to know Jesus now. Amen. Some people say, well, we'll have seven years up in heaven to get to know the Lord. You better get to know him now. Amen. Now's the time. Now's the accepted time. Now's the day of salvation. 